We're Chris and Chelsea in the morning with another edition of Community Spotlight. And this this week, we are going to be highlighting distracted driving. It is Distracted Driver Awareness Month in April. And this is a, a pretty close-to-home issue, not only for me and my family, but for our special guest as well, who has made a huge impact after a tragedy in her life. This is Katie. Katie, thank you so much for joining us and for, for sharing your story and um, I know that you're very passionate about this. So how did you first get involved with the Douglas County Safe Communities Coalition and this whole thing with distracted driving? Yeah, so actually Crystal over at Horizon Public Health reached out to me uh, towards Zero Death. Safe Communities Coalition is part of Minnesota Towards Zero Death, and they have uh, regional conventions throughout the state um, at different times of the year, and she actually reached out to me about being an impact speaker at one of those events. So that is really how my journey got started uh, with working with Horizon Public Health and and raising awareness about distracted driving. And this means a lot to you because this has impacted you in a significant way. Katie lost her dad. He was only 50 years old. He was training for Ironman and was on his bicycle and was um, struck and killed by a distracted driver who was sending a text message Katie, this is just, it's its very intense, it's very heavy, but I think it's so important to take these painful moments in our lives and, and you've turned into a beautiful way what to learn from this and what to take from this. So can you take us back to that, that intense, intense life-changing moment for you and how has that impacted you now? Yeah, so the day my dad was killed is, um, is a pretty painful engraved memory in my mind. Um, I was 20 weeks pregnant with my now seven-year-old son uh, and I was I had sent the other kids away and I was just hanging out with a friend on my deck at home and my phone rang and I was doing something so a friend of mine answered it and uh, she just looks at me and goes I think you need to take this and it was my uncle actually calling and he he just said Katie, your dad was out biking and he was hit by a car. And all I could think about was, okay, I just need to get to get to Fargo and get there and yeah. and make you know see what's going on. And and then he just followed up with, uh, he he was killed when he was hit. Uh, so in just such a a quick moment in life, it changed everything. I could hardly function. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. Um, my friend thankfully took action right away and uh, my husband was working out of town at the time. She got him on the phone, got my mom on the phone. She was able to come over. Um, my, my brother was in town and we all kind of gathered and, and, um, we got, we got, we were able to get up to Fargo, um, and just start, start being with family and, and working through those things. Um, he was killed on a Saturday and it was Wednesday when we were able to go meet the highway patrol out at the accident site. Uh-huh. And that was difficult. That was, that was intense. There's, you know, markings on the road, yeah, markings in the field um, where he laid to rest. Um, and they just kind of walked through everything with us. They said, okay, this is, this is where your dad was hit. And there was a, um, an imprint in the road from the bicycle tire. And they took that as this is where he should have been because as, as a bicycler on a road like that, you need to be far enough out so vehicles can see you, but close enough to the edge where they can easily go around and pass right, you. Right. And they said by this imprint, he was where he was supposed to be. You're supposed to designate 
you they get at least a third mm-hmm. of yep. the road. Yep. And yeah, and that's a that's a tough thing to. Oh my gosh. So was this um was this part of the investigation? Was it a request by the family? Yes. Go so, through that. Yes. So the part um where we were able to walk through was was our request. We we wanted to just to process it. We needed to know what happened. So at first, r- right after the accident, the the driver said, "Oh, I was reaching for a CD in the glove box." Okay. And then it came out. Um, I think it was the next day he had finally admitted that he was actually sending a text message. <clears throat> so we just felt like we wanted to walk through this scenario and to be able to just understand it. Um, and it was hard, but it shed a lot of light and helped bring a little bit of closure, sure. maybe just to sure. be able to walk through those steps and and just think about it and and um, you know envision where it was also because it was a beautiful area yeah you know so when you think about somebody dying and laying in a field it was beautiful and a beautiful space so that was comforting to and see and you said that this was uh, a route that he had taken before it was often traveled by bicyclists because it was um, a county road that ran parallel to the interstate and so was that a shock to you guys that this had happened? Yeah. So um, I didn't, I, I kept up with his, you know, athleticism, but I didn't know all the routes he took or anything or where they were around in Fargo. But um, his wife said that this is a very well-known training road. And even the the officers agreed that, that this is known for a bicycle road. And the man that hit him travels that road often. So he wasn't a stranger to that road either. So, and even if he was, sending a text would have had the same result. But he should know right. that there's people traveling on that road um, using their bicycles. Well, yeah. it takes us one second. You know, people always say, well, you know, I can do two things at once. I'm, I'm a smart texter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can handle it. I observe. But that, that's not really the point. You know, it could, it could happen to anybody. Right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it, too. The road wasn't curvy at all. It was completely straight. So you could, when we were standing there, it was very much wow, I can see this way forever and I can see that way yep. forever. Yep. How did that even happen? And, you know, he was a safe biker, so he was wearing reflective gear. He, you know, he had all the all the right things. So, And this was seven years ago, almost eight, correct? Correct. That yep. this happened. So let's kind of, in our minds, go back. So seven years ago, cell phones, technology has, has greatly changed. I'm trying to think of what cell phone I had. But I believe that this was the kind, I don't know if it was a flip phone or not, but you really intentionally had to press your buttons. Yes. I don't think there was like auto text at that time too. Yeah, it's, I can't remember exactly what the phones were like. I, I was trying to think, did I still have a flip phone? Did I have my Motorola Razor? Yeah, I, I don't really remember what kind of phone I had at that time. But um, yeah, I mean, it has, it. whether it was then or now, it's still, you know. Right. And it, it's something that takes your brain off of driving, which is what you're supposed to be doing and watching for people in front of you. And so texting isn't necessarily it's it's more convenient now, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily safer. And I remember right. those campaigns and maybe you do to Katie. Katie and I both went to Jefferson and um, they had those campaigns that when you look down and you're you're doing a text and you're driving. And I believe it's if you're going about 40 miles per hour, if you look down to read a text and respond. And by the time you look up, you'd have gone 50 yards Mm -hmm. so half a football field right and you don't even realize it and I think I tested it once too and I was like oh my gosh 
They're right. Just by looking down, checking, I just drove 50 yards. So how many things did I miss that were in the ditch, the side of the road around me, just because I was looking down to read what message somebody gave me? Right. Yes. And what I do love about phones these days, I have it on my phone. It's, you know, different focus modes, right? So as soon as I start driving, my phone goes into driving focus mode. I have that too? Yeah. So if you text me, it just automatically sends you a text saying that I'm driving and I'll respond later. Which is great because I feel like a lot of the problem with it is, is that cell phones are designed like um, like slot machines, right? Mm-hmm. So you hear that noise and you can't help but think it or check it. Right. So with part and part of it's a fear of people like, oh, I have to respond to this person mm-hmm. or they're going to think, oh, this or oh, that. Well, now they're getting this this message from you saying you're driving and they say, oh, OK, now I know that they're not going to respond. So taking that fear out of it right that you're that you're going to upset somebody by not responding or missing out on something is a way one because it doesn't even notify you that you got a text message if you're in focus mode and two it's notifying them oh they're driving they'll they'll get back to me when they're safe yeah after the accident uh, katie was there ever any type of anger because this easily could have been prevented was there any type of anger that you had to process or you know being frustrated at this driver that you know it's like what was he texting what was so important right yeah yeah, it uh, anger is something I, I actually still deal with a little bit, mostly because, you know, he only got to meet four of his grandkids. He has eight now. Yeah. And all of the things he misses out on is, trem- I mean, it's endless. All of the, every day it's something new that, you know, he should be here for. But the anger that I felt initially was, I can't even describe it. I, I'm, you know, just happy that I never had to lay eyes, eyes on him, on the person because it was just, he he stole my best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, he stole my dad. Yeah. And I was the biggest definition of a daddy's girl anybody could think of. So, <laughs> um, you know, he... He's, you were saying that. He was your voice of reason. He yeah. was the person that you would call your rock to um, help you simulate things and decompress and wind down and, and um, yeah, just, just give you some clout. And now that's that's gone. I'm really close to my dad, too, and there are often times where it's like, I don't know what I would do without him, without that phone call, and especially being 20 weeks pregnant and, and not having them and not being able to call, too, Katie. I mean, it's it's devastating. You don't get that person back. Right. Yeah. I mean, imagine when I told my dad that I was pregnant with Blake. I mean, he was excited when it was for all of for the two previous ones, but I remember this one specifically because... I told him and then he wasn't supposed to tell anybody because when I told him it was early, yeah. well, he had to tell everybody at work. <laughs> he lived in, he lived in Fargo. So, and I was here. So it wasn't as like, you know, it wasn't getting out, but so he walked around and told everybody cause he was just so excited. He couldn't hold it in. So imagine that level of excitement and then never being able to see the outcome of it because you were killed when by a, by a mistake, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So that was tough because I just knew, I mean, he was such a great, a wonderful grandpa. And um, he, he, when I was little, would drive here just to watch a two-minute dance performance. And he did the same thing for my kids. Wow. Yeah. And now I have my son, Easton, and Blake. They're both in hockey. And I I just know that he would be here for all of those things uh, because he was a hockey player, hockey coach, uh, all of that stuff. And, and he's, I'm just not able to share those special moments with him. And it's, it's really hard. Very heartbreaking. Absolutely. And so kind of going back to what Chris was saying, there are, there's a lot of, a lot of emotions that go 
through you. I remember my grandpa was bicycling as well when he was killed in 2010. He was hit by a, a truck when he was crossing the road. And um, there were a lot of elements in there. And I remember some family members, they wanted justice right away. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see that person go to jail forever. And that was their their anger, which, of course, is pain, deep-seated yep. pain underneath. Um, there were some that were just really compassionate. I remember he did show up actually to my parents' house the next day and knocked on the door and was just crying. He was devastated. It doesn't sound like that was the case in yours. It sounded like there was some lies, maybe some fear to try to cover up what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, the the ramifications from that too, the laws are very strict, Katie. So did you guys, we never went to court for any of ours or anything like that. It was just hard enough losing somebody. Did you guys have to go through that process? Did he get prosecuted? Um, and, and how are your emotions, the emotional gauntlet, not only have you lost somebody, but now there was a crime that it was an absolute crime that was committed, Mm -hmm. um, accident or not. Right. I mean, that's exhausting. Yeah. So we, the laws eight years ago in North Dakota were, were not up to date with current technology. So it was actually a challenge to get um, the proper justice that we saw, but we fought and um, we were able to get, so yes, we did go through a court process uh, we worked with an attorney um, that was appointed, and we pushed for what we felt was appropriate. We didn't feel like, you know, a little slap on the wrist was going to be appropriate. You need to learn from your mistakes, especially since you had a record mm-hmm. as far as driving offenses like DUIs, things like that. Clearly, this is a problem. It was just a matter of time that mm-hmm. somebody was going to get hurt or in yes. your case, the worst. Yes. So we felt like we really needed to take it um to a higher level. So we we fought really hard. We weren't going to say we weren't going to back down and we were able to to have him prosecuted um, with an offense that we felt was appropriate. Okay. At first he's probably, you know, obviously you want to go on the defense and cover it up. I mean, if he would have stuck to that story, I don't exactly know what would happen, but I, I maybe you do. If somebody's texting and they hurt somebody or kill somebody, um, your records can be if it goes to the court, they can be pulled and mm-hmm. it you know, it's not now like they gonna, can. you can't hide it. You can't delete the text and be like, I'm good now. Yeah, no. I didn't send that. Now right. they can. Mm-hmm. And it is it is. I'm so glad you brought that up, because if your family hadn't fought that hard, it probably never would have gone anywhere. And and this isn't the first time that it's happened. So um, just amazing courage for you guys to do that in the end. It wasn't really just to not just to punish that person, but it was the whole picture. Right. Which I think is just speaks to your heart and your compassion for others, because this isn't just to, to be um, mean, so to speak. It's to let people know, hey, your actions have consequences and your family has been devastated by this and you don't want other families to go through this. So now working on this campaign, I think we've come a long way, but not as far as we should. I do see a lot of drivers still on their phones. Yes. Or they're not respecting the roadways or they're not respecting cyclists mm-hmm. that are bicycling or pedestrians for that matter. Right. So um, you've obviously come a long way with your your passions from this experience too. Have you seen things getting better or is the message still need to get out there? Stay off your phones when you're driving. I think a little bit of both. Uh, the new hands-free law that took effect a few years ago has definitely helped. You're not allowed to hold your cell phone up to your ear and talk on it. It's a one-touch rule. However, I still see people holding their phones up while they're driving on their to their ear, which to me is 
an officer can clearly see mm-hmm. that. So to me, I just don't understand <laughs> what the why we're taking the risk. Uh, but, uh, you know, putting that aside, I, I think the message definitely still needs to be out there. I see people texting uh, all the time, but I also feel that the message that I'm working on sending has helped because people have reached out to me saying, you know, after I saw your message, I hear what I think about all the time when I'm driving and I get a text or this or that. So, and my goal was, you know, if I can save one life, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And I actually also love the the younger generation. I love working with them because they're not, you know, corrupted yet when they <laughs> haven't started driving and they, they just take to it so much more. My my favorite event that I've that I've done is the teen and parent distracted driving awareness event that Horizon Public Health puts on over at Casey's Amusement Park. Yes. Absolute favorite event. So cool. I have never felt more fulfilled when I left a speaking event. They were so engaged. Um, it, it was just phenomenal. And I think part of it was having parents and teens together. The parents were emotional about it or in tune with it because it could be their soon-to-be driver either, you know, texting or being in a car with somebody that texts or getting hit by somebody that texts. It was it was phenomenal. And I just, the level of it is is with those teens has been really, really great to see. That's so awesome. So there is that preventative work, too, that we always have to strive for. Our phones are even worse now. Like you said, we have all these apps on our phones that are constantly dinging notifications. We have people who are checking, scrolling through their Facebook pages, scrolling through their TikToks, sending Snapchats. If they see an accident, they'll they'll whip out their phones and start recording. Um, I just got a Snapchat the other day from somebody who was clearly driving. And I said, put your phone down. You almost want to message them back. Oh, yeah. But it's like, please just put your phone down. Was that worth it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> That's going to be your last photo if right. you get hurt or if you hurt somebody else or or even worse. And Katie, this was really cool. What caught my eye was um, I saw that on our Facebook, too, that you had taken this whole experience and there was a movie that was created. Can you share that with us? What is out there for people to see and experience? Yeah. So that movie really came to fruition. I, like I said, I've been working with uh, Crystal at Horizon Public Health on different things and uh, watching real films bring different stories to life was very intriguing. And it just kind of clicked in my head. So many people watch their films because they're done so enticing. Like they're very, they draw people in really well. And so Crystal, I reached out to Crystal about it. She thought, you know, let's explore this option. So we had a meeting with Real Films, uh, told them kind of what our vision was, um, and we worked through all the details. And we decided, yep, let's go for it. And I couldn't have asked for for a better outcome of the video. It really is able to tell the story. I think they did a, it just, it traps you in with emotion while also telling the, the true story and what happened and how it is now affecting us. And I love that I was able to bring my kids into it. You know, it's something we talk about in our household often Mm -hmm. because you still want them to know grandpa, even though he's not here. So they, um, being able to bring them into the movie um, added another element of, okay, look at these, now these kids are, are living without their grandpa. It's not just a daughter without a dad. It's a whole, a whole piece, a whole puzzle um, that is that is will never be whole again because of of a piece that's missing. So, it um, 
it has worked out wonderfully. And I know that they're they're going to try to share it as much as they can. They've sent it off to some different places. I think they're going to try to share it across the schools in the area, which is great because the preventative piece and working with those teens is wonderful. So I think that's great. And just any other way that we can get that message out there, I think is wonderful with, and I think it just, it really is a different way to get it out there versus the signage, right? you know, yep. right? It's, um, it's an emotional piece. So I think it, it really takes people in a little bit more. And my daughter's 13, she's in seventh grade. And she was just telling me this morning, actually, when we were talking about how I was coming to do this, that so many kids at school have got come up to her and said, I saw that film and it was, it was, you guys did so good. And it's, you know, just the level of um, feedback that she's gotten from teenagers has wow. been, I, I would say is more than I've gotten from adults because I think they're maybe a little bit ashamed because they're the ones that are doing it. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. when she told me that, I was like, that's interesting because I was actually a little surprised at the lack of feedback that I got from peers, you know, not a lot of people reached out. Not a lot of people said anything to me, but I think it's because they're the ones doing it. Right. Yep. And yep. these teenagers aren't doing it. So they're really like, oh, it was so good. And you guys did so good. And that's so sad. You know, all yeah. the feedback that she could get. And I was like, hmm, that's, there's something to that there. Yeah. Katie, what's the title of it? So the name of the film is Dave's Story, An Avoidable Heartbreak. It is out on YouTube. And that is telling... Um, the story, Dave was killed killed at the age of 50 um, by a distracted driver. He was on his bicycle and he was riding, following all the rules that they have to, following all of the safety procedures to, and just one text message um, essentially led to taking his life. And so Katie is joining us, formerly Katie Hawkinson, D- Katie DeGear, sharing her story with us and with everybody. Um, during Distracted Driving Awareness Month, we have an extra emphasis on this too. And Katie, I remember seeing that and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know. I didn't know that that's how you had lost your dad. And, and then just, you know, I could identify too. I remember the day that my grandpa was taken too. And it just, it hurts. And you do kind of hesitate. Like, do I reach out? What do I say? What do I do? But I'm so glad that we, we did connect because this is so important and you are just so beautiful and courageous and amazing for doing this and sharing your dad's story. Um, Yes, these are painful. There's some people who want to shy away from it, but we have to learn about this because we can prevent this. You will be seeing signs as you're driving around the entire state of Minnesota. I know they popped a few more up here in Alexandria. Put your phones down. No text, no snap, no tweet, no message, no Facebook. No, None of that is important. When you are behind the wheel, you have a responsibility not only for your own self, but for everybody around you to keep others safe and to arrive alive. Don't wait till it's too late. You know, there's no text that's worth it. And uh, you're not even changing somebody else's life. You're changing your life. You're changing uh, 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 like generations, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're affecting so many lives by making the decision to do that. It's just not worth it. The other thing that I want to add in is one, when I look at parents or adults, I should say, texting while they have kids in the car, hmm. It, it's it's worse or it is the same level of disgust that I get when I see them smoking with their children in the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so then just imagine, okay, so now you're texting, you're putting your life at danger, you're putting other people's life at danger, and now you're putting these kids' life at danger. Can you imagine hitting and killing somebody while you have your kids in the car? I mean, you know, it happens on, you know, icy roads and things like that, but when it's an avoidable thing, can you imagine being... 
I'm sorry you have to deal with this trauma the rest of your life because I had to send that text message. So I just... And that's what it boils down to. And Mm -hmm. we don't think of that. We think um, in the moment and like it doesn't have a consequence. But please, please, please just just put that phone down. Even um, I loved when you said that do not disturb that when driving. That's a great mode as well, too. I don't even like to maybe I'll answer a phone call, but like otherwise just just stay focused. It's really it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And like you said, Katie, especially if you got kids and others in your in the back there, too, you're sending a different type of message to your kids. It's really hard to parent. And then you do the same thing that you're telling them not to do. Right. And right. Your mom of five. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Katie, for this, for your courage, for sharing your story. How can others support you and your family? How can we support um, this Distracted Driving Awareness Month? Yes. Just put your phone down. Don't text while you're driving. Uh, Go out, share the video, share the other messaging that uh, public health is putting out. And I believe law enforcement has some messaging out there as well on social media. Share that. Uh, Just be an advocate and be a role model for others. Thank you so much. That's Katie DeGear with the Towards Zero Death the Initiative here in Douglas County um, that is also saying, hey, no more, no more distracted driving focus. And uh, we just really appreciate you, Katie, and your time and sharing your story and your dad's story. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.